Goldthorpe is number one. A kickstart for Australia. Gold in a world record. Now it's Donovan Bailey trying to pick up runners. Donovan Bailey is putting on the third. A perfect score, 10.0 for Nancy Cavanici, a perfect score. The first time I've never seen anyone get a over 100 years, nobody's won as many medals at the Olympic Games in any sport than this great champion, Michael Phelps. Usain Bolt, sprinting ahead, winning by daylight and setting a world record. 9.68, the wind is okay. How easy was that? It is off the podium, an Olympics podcast coming to you today for another amazing interview, another massive interview. You thought Mac Horton was big last week. Well, we've got somebody probably even bigger this week, Sally Pearson, a legendary Australian hurdler for those outside of Australia who may not be too familiar with Sally, Olympic gold medalist from London in the 100-meter hurdles, Olympic silver medalist from Beijing in the 100-meter hurdles, a two-time world champion to add to her glittering career. Career. And this is a fantastic chat with Sally, really personal, in-depth chat to just go over everything in her career, an amazing career about how she got into the sport, why hurdles wasn't necessarily something that she really liked too much when she first did it, right through to just how close she came to coming out of retirement for the Tokyo Olympics, as well as talking about a potential another Olympic sport that we may see her in one day. It's very fascinating, very exciting, and a great chat that you are going to love. Here is our chat with two-time Olympian and Olympic champion, Sally Pearson. Such an honour to be able to welcome our next guest today here to Off the Podium, a two-time Olympian, Olympic gold medalist, silver medalist, three-time world championship medal winning, including two gold medals, Commonwealth Games, triple medalist, and basically one of the greatest athletes we've ever produced in the sport of athletics. It's a pleasure to welcome to Off the Podium the one, the only, Sally Pearson. Sally, it's a pleasure to have you on the show today. Thank you for joining us on Off the Podium. Thanks for the introduction. Sometimes you forget how many achievements you've got. So it's just a reminder. And I haven't been interviewed for a while, so I haven't been reminded of it for a while. Well, well I mean, I can, I can go through everything if you want. I mean, you know, just <laughs> <laughs> really remind you. Because, I mean, it must be one of those things, though, that obviously as you tick things off the list and kind of do achieve these things that maybe it is nice to just kind of reflect on that journey that has taken you through to so many great achievements in your career. Oh, yeah, certainly. And and so many people say, you know, take time to reflect on what you've done. It's been so amazing. And I'm just like, I, I, telling me this while I was still an athlete. And I'm like, hell no, I'm, I'm too busy <laughs> racing right now. The, the sport moves on. You don't have time to sit down and, and reflect. Uh, but obviously when you retire, yeah, then you realize, hang on a second, I had a pretty good career. Um, I'm very satisfied with what I've done. For sure. I always love speaking to guests on the show from sports, which I always like to consider as a bit odd in the fact that it's not something that I feel a lot of people wake up dreaming to, I guess, sprint over pieces of wood, essentially. And 
obviously I want to, I'm not, I don't want to use the word jumping because I watched an interview with you in the lead up to this and, and you specifically said it's, it's kind of offensive to say to a hurdler that you jump over a hurdling, you're, you're running <laughs> over it. So I wanted to, to point that out, but I believe yeah. you were 13 when it was introduced to you. When, what was, do you remember kind of when your coach came to you and said, you should try hurdles and what your initial thought process was when they said that to you? Yeah, my initial thought process was, hell no, I don't think so. No, I don't really want to. But I did do 200-meter hurdles, um, but I think I had more space in between to not jump over the hurdles. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, no, I, I liked the longer hurdles at the time. Um, oh, I started doing sprint hurdles at 13, 14 years of age and just hit them all the time, fell over so many times. And I'm like, what the hell am I doing this for? Who wants to do this? <laughs> but for some reason, I, did, I was very good at doing what I was told. So my coach said, okay, hurdles next week. And I was like, all right, then if I have to, but I wasn't like enthusiastic about it because I was very much a, a hundred, 200 high jump, long jumper. I, they're the events that I wanted to do. That's where I saw myself. I had fun doing those and hurdles was just a, Oh yeah, you did it at little athletics and blah blah blah. And then your coach says, "Do you want to train for it?" So it's a whole other ball game again. And then I went to my first national championships, high school national championships. Sorry, in I think it was two thousand in Adelaide, and it was the ninety meter hurdles final. So I'd made I'd made the national final, and I don't know something went really bad at the start. I went over on the wrong leg, and then I had to do like different strides in between gets back to my other leg again and then it just went downhill from there and halfway through I fell over <laughs> so wow. that was my kind of national level introduction to hurdles and I'm like never again this is just stupid why don't I just run in a straight line flat straight line it's so much easier <laughs> wow and do you ever find when you're I guess coming across younger athletes who are trying to find their niche when it comes to track and field that are there legitimately athletes who go I want to be a hurdler this is the one I want to do or is it always that one that is kind of offered to you at some point go okay I'll I'll see how I go with that oh there's definitely a lot of athletes come up to me and say I want to be a hurdler this is what I want to to do and they're you know 10 or 11 years old and like just chill out for a minute like I wasn't even (laughs) training at that age so just take it it's only because they see these people and they're they're at the olympics and they're winning and they're doing this odd events like oh i'm gonna go give that a go and that's what i want to be and that's great and it's nice to be that role model for them and, and inspire them to at least be in the sport but you know going to that international level that senior level takes a lot of time and if you start out young sometimes you either burn out if you're you're training too hard because they're all excited and they're all enthusiastic and motivated to do it. So by the time they get to their late to late to mid teens, it's, it's all over for them. They're they're sick of it. So I try and just like hold them back a little bit and say, you got plenty of time. You can be like 35 and still running at the Olympics if you want to, because you've got 25 years left in this sport, kid, just chill. It's all right. Um, and I don't, that doesn't obviously, that I can't comprehend that at all because, you know, for a 10-year-old, that's just a lifetime away. But it goes yeah. by so quickly. So I, I just try and I hold them back a little bit and say, go and try some other sports even, you know, get some strength in gymnastics or, you know, get some hand and eye coordination in tennis, all those sort of things, because this sport does take a lot of you. Um, and... I probably didn't start taking it seriously till I was 16, 17 years of age. So, yeah, it's a, it's a good sport to be a part of, but it certainly um, it, it takes all of you to be a part of it if you want to be the best. 
I always like hearing those little bits where you say you can still be an Olympian, you know, going towards 35. I'm about to turn 35, Sally, so I'm still with oh, you. You've got all the time in the world. Absolutely. Just go out now absolutely. for a run. Yeah, I will. <laughs> as soon as I'm done this, I'm going there and, I, and I'm running. Growing up, though, outside of athletics, you, you were involved in gymnastics, uh, you, you did some swimming. I, I mean, was this something that as a child, the Olympics was always a goal and you were trying to find, I guess, a sport that kind of complemented that or was it kind of the Olympics became a goal once you progressed further in some of these sports? Yeah, I, I think that's um, a really good question and I have been asked about it before, um, but I, I wasn't necessarily going to the Olympics. I remember specifically, I think I was six or seven years old at gymnastics. We were in the elite squad in the gymnastics at that age as well and our coach sat us down and she was talking about that show when we were younger, the gladiators. You know, yes. the, yeah. So we, we were like, that was right up our alley. That sort of show for kids doing gymnastic, gymnastics at the elite level was right up our alley. And she just said, look, you guys are so much better than these gladiators. You could be on that show and, and be doing that. And I'm like, yeah, we could be doing that. <laughs> but, and that, because at that time, at that age, that was the ultimate sports person. So if you want to, if you want to go be a gladiator, you're going to be the best. So that's yeah. how I, thought. I just wanted to be the best. The Olympics at that age never really crossed my mind. Um, I knew that it was around, but I probably didn't really know about the Olympics until the Sydney Olympics, I suppose. Like a lot of other kids our age saw the Olympics at that age and thought, oh yeah, this is what the Olympics is. Okay. I get it now. Um, but it certainly wasn't like, a concrete goal that I was after. I just wanted to be the best at whatever that was that I was going to be doing. And of course, stories you've told plenty of times about seeing Kathy win, of course, in yeah. in Sydney. I mean, was that what made you, I guess, at that point go, okay, athletics is for me. This is what I want to focus on. Were you still sort of involved in other sports at that time and kind of that made you make well, a decision? This, I think the Sydney Olympics, I would had not started training it or I just started training it. So I still wasn't taking it anywhere seriously enough to be thinking this is what I was going to be doing. I knew that I was good at athletics. I knew that I was fast. I'd always known that I was fast, but it, it was just second nature to me. I was always competitive. So anyone was like, oh, so why didn't you think of the Olympics as your goal? And like, this is what you wanted to do. And I'm like, because it was, it just came naturally to me to be an athlete and to be a sports person. So all I wanted to do was just win races. I didn't care where I was. I just wanted to win races and be the best. So um, I, the Olympics sort of didn't come around into my mind until oh, I think I was maybe 15, um, 15, 16. And then I went to the world championships, the senior world championships at 16. I was anchoring the four by one relay there and I was looking around the stadium with 80,000 people there and going, yep, this is what I want to do. I want to be in these wow. stadiums again. Wow. I loved, I, I loved being in front of the crowd. I liked entertaining, I guess, because at the end of the day, we're the athletes. So you don't think of it as entertainment, but that's that's the entertainment, isn't it? You're going there yeah. to watch athletes compete, which means it's like going to a rock concert. You know, you're going there to see those people play or you're going to the athletics to see the athletes compete. And that's what I, I liked about it as well. I love hearing that because it's, it's so interesting, you know, that year you had in 2003 that you do make your debut on the Senior World Champs, but you win gold at the, at the Youth World Championships that year as well. So does that kind of relate to what you are saying before about, 
you started taking this seriously when you were about 16. I mean, that was obviously a pretty breakthrough year for you that maybe things were starting to click into gear for you. Yeah, um, it was. But it was never like, I never kept saying, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that because it was almost like it was already happening. It's so hard to explain. I had absolutely no doubt in my mind that I was going to be the best. So I almost didn't need to keep saying, I want to be the next Kathy Freeman. And I want to be the next so-and-so because I didn't need to say that because I already knew I was going to do it. it it's, so, it's such a bizarre feeling that I don't even, I, I can't even explain it because it, it's just something that I knew was going to happen without having to hope and pray that it was going to happen. So what I've always loved about hearing you talk is that it's that confidence that it, yeah. it's, I kind of like to equate it almost like a boxer that you've just got such that level about you where you're just like, yep, yeah, I'm the best. I'm going to win. Every time you yeah. would go into a major competition and afterwards you'd be like, I knew I was going to win. I, I know I'm going to beat these girls. I mean, is that something for you that has always helped you with your running, that confidence that adds the mental side of things to the physical side of things? I think so. But I also think it comes from knowing your talent and knowing what you're capable of doing and really believing in that. Um, I never really second guessed myself because I suppose I never thought too deeply into what might happen, you know, like, oh, I might not win this or I might not win that. I never really thought too deeply into that side of it because I was so believing and trusting in my own ability and the program that was set out me um i remember way back back when i was five or six again and when gymnastics and i this is when i really knew my competitive side was there and as teacher was they were so strict but we were a little as well but they used to make us do about 10 laps of the football field out the back of the gymnastics club and even then um me and this other red-headed girl we she was a fast runner as well and we just take off and it would just be me and her sprinting for like the first is like a 10 lap warm up that we had to do. Wow. Um, and I was just like, everything I did was a race. And then I remember also in that, in one of those warm ups, one of the senior girls was, she was always winning the warm ups. She was just always fit and better than everyone. And I'm like, you know what I'm going to get her so I really took my warm-up seriously and I paced myself and I I jogged a few and she wasn't racing but I was always racing because <laughs> I wanted to be I saw what I saw what older people would do more experienced people would do and I would learn off that because that's what I wanted to be and I wanted to be better than that so I would follow in their direction I suppose and then I ended up catching that girl in the last lap of the warm-up and and she's probably like three or four years older than me at the time and the teachers are like why did you do that I'm like that's what I thought we had to do (laughs) (laughs) keep going that way wow yeah it was crazy it just sort of came naturally to me it wasn't something that I had to find it was just naturally there for me and is that something then given it's natural can you teach that to people? Is there a way that when you, if you're coming across younger athletes again, that you can maybe try and get that out of them to have that level of confidence? It's certainly hard um, and it takes a lot of time and a lot of patience um, to do that with athletes. It's, you know, a lot of athletes want to be respectful and they, um, I guess they love their opposition. They, they know everything about their opposition. Um, 
So it's trying to change their mindset to say, yeah, you can still be respectful, but at the end of the day, you're out there to beat them. And remember, they're out there to beat you as well. They're not going to be so respectful to you. They, they, they don't care who you are, what you've done or anything. They're, they're there to win. So you've got to, you've got to have that attitude as well. Like this is elite sport. And if you want to be the best, you've got to beat the best. So yeah. um, sometimes it can be a little bit difficult if it doesn't come natural to people um, to change that mindset. And it's quite accepting to have that mindset because it can come across quite harsh and blunt and arrogant and rude. But I never felt even people might correct me, but, or <laughs> think otherwise, but I never felt like I was trying to be disrespectful to other people, even though I'd come out and say, yeah, I'm going to win. Um, no, these girls better be on fire because I'm ready to win this race. I wasn't saying that to be that boxer entertainer. I wasn't being there to, to um, I guess, fire up the media or make it exciting. I was saying it because I truly believed in my ability to win those races. And I worked so hard on saying what I wanted to achieve out loud because in an Australian culture, we're always like, you know, stay humble, stay grounded, blah, blah, blah. I mean, Nick Curious is probably changing the sides of that, but um, that's what the Australian culture typically was and sometimes still is as well. Um, so it took me a few years to be able to say out loud that that's what I wanted to do. And then once I said it, I'm like, right, this is easy. All I have to do is just say it and not worry about what anyone else thinks. Yeah, perfect. And do you also think that helps with maybe some mind games against your competitors so that it, it kind of, because I can imagine there is sort of certain I things mean, you can do to put them off a little bit to show you, show them that like, like I'm coming out to beat you, you better be ready for me. It certainly might have, but I wasn't there to do that. Like I, 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 I never liked playing mind games intentionally because it was a waste of energy for me. I didn't like putting any spotlight on anybody else. Um, I didn't like giving them the time of day in terms of talking about them or what they're doing or this or this or whatever, or intentionally trying to upset them because it was just a waste of energy. Like, I don't know how boxers do that. I'm just like, man, I'm exhausted just trying to get myself up and ready to do this. This is neurally and mentally fatiguing, but I know that I can do it, but I'm not going to try and put any any attention onto those other people because I just I don't care right now. <laughs> yeah, I love so, that. but I'm sure it probably was a mind game in their heads. They probably thought that that's what I was trying to do, but I really wasn't. Wow, is there is there much like sledging behind the scenes in hurdling? Like, I mean, kind of do do you have anybody that came up to you as like? you know, thought yeah. maybe you were saying something that was a bit disrespectful, things like that. Like, I mean, kind of how does that work like in the locker room before you go out onto the track? Uh, in the locker room, I never – it's only probably happened to me once and it was very, very, very obvious to everybody that was around me. That was in 2017 when after I had just won the World Championships and we're at the Zurich Diamond League and one of my competitors – I don't know, we were warming up and we are literally warming up side by side, which is very normal um, because there's not a lot of space on a warm-up track usually. So you just take whatever lane you can and the hurdles that you can. But she was acting so strange and she was 
dancing around. She was singing at the top of her lungs. She was just out there and being very vocal, which has never happened before. And I've never seen this particular person do that before either. And I even had like a Safa Power walk past and he looked at Kieran and I, and he's just like looking at a stranger going, what's going on over there? I'm like, oh, wow. <laughs> but the funny thing was, is I warm up with music and I couldn't hear any of it because my music's loud enough that I, I can't hear what anyone else is doing, but I could kind of see it. But I had this new tactic um, at the world championships and afterwards that I would literally warm up and not eyeball anyone, almost wouldn't greet them. I wouldn't talk to them. I wouldn't look at them at all in any way. I wouldn't give them the time of day because I didn't want to soak up their energy. Mm. Um, you're obviously aware of what's going around you, but you're not sort of taking it in too much. And my husband was aware that this is what I would do because he was very much my biggest support that year. He'd come to all my warm-ups, all my competitions and be right there, make sure I had the hurdles that I needed to warm up with, all the blocks and the space that I needed. So he would guard everything. And he didn't mention anything about it. Like we didn't even acknowledge that it was happening until after the race. I'd actually won that Zurich Diamond League as well. And after the race, I said to him, and what was going on there? <laughs> and he goes, I'm so glad you said something. Wow. I'm like, oh my goodness. Even That's though I, crazy. Wasn't, I wasn't taking it on, I, I knew that it was happening, but I yeah. wasn't me like how this person wanted it to affect me or how it came across that she wanted it to affect me. Yeah. Well, you beat them. So, I mean, at yeah. the end of the day, <laughs> whatever they were doing didn't work, right? Like it's kind of, you know, yeah, it goes that right. way. That's 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 insane. You are mentioning before about that buzz of the crowd, you know, that kind of that that what you were mentioning before, really getting involved in the, the, the show of it. 2006, the MCG, obviously the Commonwealth Games didn't exactly work out, no doubt, how you wanted to. But, I mean, going to a Commonwealth Games at that age and also a stadium of that size, uh, I mean, kind of what was that experience like? That was the best thing ever. I've always been, as much as I probably don't seem like it when I'm on the track competing in a big stage, I'm very much a performer. I love to be in front of the crowd. I like to be on stage. I like people to be looking at me. I, I kind of, um, that thrills me. It, it excites me. Um, so when, when I knew that I was on the team in 2006, I was like, I can't wait to experience this 110,000 people crowd. Like this is, this is my comfort zone. This is where I feel at ease and at peace as well, standing on that start line with those people there. Like it was just what I wanted to do. And I just, I loved every minute of it. Um, obviously, yeah, I fell in the final of the hurdles, 100 probably wasn't good enough anyway to do anything better than what I did, to be fair. Um, but yeah, then obviously getting the bronze medal in the relay uh, at a home home games was just, yeah, awesome. Did you ever compete in anything bigger than that? Were there any stadiums that you went to after that that would have had about the same or, or more? Mm, not a hundred. Uh, I don't know what London Olympics had when they I think that was about made, 80 i think off the top of my head I yeah that was when they i don't know if it i don't know maybe it was 80 but yeah probably not probably not at 110,000 no yeah I think, which, I think it was pretty much the same as sydney olympics wasn't it that i mean that was the yeah. biggest an athletics event has ever had in sydney with kathy 
Yeah. Um, but ours would have been not 110, but certainly up around the 90s, maybe 100. Which is kind of just insane to think that, I mean, you know, no dis- disrespect to a Commonwealth Games, they're obviously an amazing event, but obviously not quite an Olympics that the crowd is still going along to yeah, that. Yeah, and that's, is- you know, then that's what kind of gets me a little bit disappointed with our sport, right? Um, they say that our sport isn't exciting. They say, blah, 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 this, this and this, and we don't get the crowds. I'm like, well, we do because Melbourne 2006 had a full crowd almost every single day, even in the morning sessions. So yeah. something's not going right, that the, I don't know, marketing's not right or whatever it is, because obviously it's so that's one of the biggest selling sports at any Olympics or Commonwealth Games. And if you have a world champs overseas, it sells out, you know, like yeah. it, well, can't, it does do well. It's just what are we doing nationally that it's not working. Which it is fascinating because you think of an Olympics or a Commonwealth Games, what's the one event everybody wants to watch? It's the 100 yeah. metres. It's the blue ribbon event of any yeah, exactly. major competition. So it's kind of, it's it's interesting that it doesn't have that, I guess, attention outside of it. 2008. Yeah, but I think, yeah, sorry. No, no, please go ahead. I, if you, no, I just, I think it would if there was more education out there for the general public to understand the sport a little bit more because every time I've had an event on general public say to you oh I didn't know that was on I'm like yeah well this is this is the thing isn't it they don't even know that it's on which is it is I mean adding to that it is interesting because you know going back to Sydney with Kathy I mean that was the one event Australia was behind London you know that was the one event everyone was behind was sort of you so it, it gets that attention at these events so it is interesting to see that you know, you look at swimmers, for example, they're still recognised and known outside of a, an Olympics or a Commonwealth Games, but it is interesting how that doesn't kind of equate to track and field. Mm. Well, hopefully the next Olympic cycle will get a few more medals so people can remember. Yes, exactly, exactly. We'll push towards that. 2008, one of, one of my favourite all-time Olympic moments ever was the interview you gave to Channel 7 directly <laughs> after your. And the thing that I think was fascinating about that was that I guess for most Australians, we weren't overly familiar with you. And then I remember watching that race live going like, okay, cool. We've got a, we've got a athlete in the final. This is going to be fun. And then watching the silver, like, wow, this is, this is amazing. Do, do you, I, I've read a few interviews where you say you look back on that and you go like, yeah, that was just me. That was awesome. Do, have you watched it? Like, is it something that kind of people send to you and go, this is amazing. And, and kind of just, Everything that came with that, I can imagine, just added to your profile and everything from that point on? Yeah, of course. I mean, it's certainly something that's very special to me, that interview, because it was, as I said, no one sees that side of me usually because they don't know me outside of the sport, but I'm very much a a relaxed, sort of happy-go-lucky, like excitable person. I get excited by a lot of things. (laughs) So uh, obviously when you win an Olympic medal, that's one of the most exciting things that can ever happen to you in your life. And and so um, it needs a bit of more – I don't want to ruin the whole hype of that interview because, but it does need explanation behind it because when I say, did you see me, like the most famous part in that interview, (laughs) it was – it was because I was actually so hyped behind those starting blocks. Like I was actually screaming and yelling to myself and hyping myself up that I've never, ever, ever done that before in a race. Like I was, you know, when you see, when you see Jai Tarim, at the long yeah. time, he's like slapping himself. He's like, go on doing that. I was doing that before the race. And I'm like, I was almost surprising myself that I was doing that. 
And so I wanted to know if anyone else saw that. That's what <laughs> I said to the, that's why I said to Pat Welsh, I'm like, did you see me? That's what I was saying. Did you see me? Cause I'm like, at the start of the race, I was so calm. That's what I was trying to like, come get over to, to him. But obviously it wasn't picked up like that, but I mean, I don't want to ruin the whole, the, the interview by explaining it because it was so magical and so raw and such an exciting time. But yeah, that's, I wanted people to know that I was a different person out there on the track, a, a person that really believed and, and really knew what was going to happen. I'd never been in that situation before where I knew that something magical was going to happen tonight. I think outside of that part, two of my favourite bits of the interview as well is when Pat says to you about like, you spoke to me the other day and you said you want to get the final. You're like, oh, I lied to you. I knew I was going to meddle. And then the bit right at the end when you're basically going like, to everyone who sent me a Facebook message and an email, I will get back to you one day. I've got, I've got to ask 14 years later, have you? Have you gotten back to everyone back from 2008? <laughs> and I ended up deleting my account for a while because I was so overwhelmed by it. I was like, I can't see this. So I don't want to do this. It's too much for me. So I, I deleted my account for a while while and then I kind of went through it all afterwards when I reactivated it again so okay all right yeah yeah that was it was nice um <laughs> and that was uh when I said to him I actually I lied to you I knew I was going to get a medal um that was right before I started saying I wanted to win and I had that full confidence going to London like I was going to win this and I was going to win that this was when I was working with my psychologist in 2008 saying, right, I don't think I'm ready to say I want to win out loud, but I certainly, I know that I can, or I know that I can at least medal and I know that I can make the final, but can we just sort of take it back a step and just say, tell the, tell the Australian public, look, I'm just going to make the final and then I'll see what happens afterwards. And she says, yeah, that's a good place to start. It's a good building block. But even though secretly deep down, we both knew that my goal was to medal at those Olympics. Cause I knew wow. that I could. It's, yeah. it's so fascinating kind of then what happened obviously afterwards because, you know, the Australian public endears you after that interview celebrating a silver medal, but just the form obviously that you went on basically between Beijing and, and London. I, I've read in interviews you said before about how, you know, when you're on the line, the nerves kind of obviously if you're not nervous, there's a problem because that kind of there. But when it comes to something like pressure, obviously going into London, as I mentioned, kind of all of Australia was thinking this is the one event we, we want to see Sally win. Do, do you thrive on pressure? Is that something that works to your advantage, knowing that an entire country is expecting you to come away with a gold medal? Oh, yeah. Um, that was certainly something that didn't faze me at all because I wanted exactly the same thing that the country wanted or the pressure um, supposedly that was put on me was it didn't feel like um, a weight on my shoulders because I was already putting that on myself anyway. Uh, from what my own goals were. So um, it didn't phase me at all. I, as I said, I, I like, I hate to say, but when I'm, when I'm competing, when I was the athlete, I liked the attention because that helped me. Obviously outside of that, I'm certainly don't like to be the center of attention, but when I was entertaining, that's what I wanted. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it, it worked. Definitely worked. But it's, it's. I mean, it's amazingly been ten years since London. It's, it's crazy to kind of think that. Yeah. But do, do you? How do you reflect on it ten years later? Does anything change? Are you able to kind of soak in anything differently and realize certain things now that you've retired, or is it still kind of the yeah. same? You can take yourself back to the stadium and and remember all those emotions that came with winning the. Oh game. yeah, I think. Yeah, I wish you could go back and do it again, knowing the result. So. Like, would you change anything? 
even getting the same result, would you change anything? I was like, I probably would. And I would probably try and enjoy the journey more, take advantage of the journey more. Um, but you can't when you're in that, in that space, because you have to put your head down, bum up because you don't know the result at the time, you know, <laughs> like it's, yeah. it's so hard. I wish that I could go back and just kind of be a bit more relaxed with it and not so intense, but I mean, maybe that's what it was about me that did so well is because I was that little bit intense and fiery um, and competitive. So that maybe that's what made me so good. I don't know, but I wish I could just relax a little bit more and still perform at the highest level. Was that period when you crossed the line before the result came up on the screen, was that the longest period of your entire life just waiting for that? confirmation and and like you knew that whole time you'd won right like we all did we were watching i I was kind of more frustrated because i was thinking i know they're doing this they're doing this for the drama you know they want that effect they want that like wait it's like the movie or 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 a soap (laughs) opera thing like they they finish at the real like intense moment wait till next week (laughs) like no (laughs) stay tuned after this commercial we'll be back i know what's gonna happen but tell me anyway (laughs) that's because channel nine had it that year eddie mcguire was doing the whole who wants to be a millionaire thing that's why (laughs) yeah well there you go now we know the reason but yeah no that um it was just more frustrating uh, waiting for it because I just wanted to celebrate. I wanted to have that kind of realize, like, even though I knew I won, I kind of still wanted to be a little bit respectful to Silver, like Dawn Harper, because she was so close mm. as well at the end. Um, and I only just saw her in the last sort of 10 meters. I'm like, oh, hang on a second. She was really close. I think I've got it. Like, I'm 99% sure I've got it. But at the same time, she seems to be kind of thinking, oh, have I won it? Have I won it? Even I think she knew she got silver, but I kind of wanted to be a little bit respectful in that that instance as well, especially because the result wasn't on the board. And it always seems like the camaraderie between you guys was was incredible. Like it, even, you know, when you're getting silver and bronze, everyone's so happy for each other. I mean, was that kind of, a, a, is that a hurdler's sort of aspect or is that generally um, a track and field thing that we don't get to see a lot of? I think it's more the fact, I don't know about other events, but certainly in hurdles, um, because our event is so tough competitive wise, anyone on that start line can win. doesn't matter. Like we are all very, very close in talent in abilities and in potential of winning a race. And I think if you cross that line and get a medal, you're just like, Oh, I actually did it. I beat that person today. Like, they've been beating me all season or whatever. And I finally got one on them on the day that it counts. And it's kind of like if the medalists get together, like, oh, we did it. We got what we needed to do. And it's almost like a relief for all of us. And it's like, oh, thank God we got through that season. <laughs> um, not too bad this year. Yeah. Yeah. For sure, like, for you line sure. up on that line, you don't, you can't guarantee one person who's going to win in that race. Two things I always love to find out from our medalists, and particularly gold medalists on the show. First of all, the medal. Uh, you've got two Olympic medals, of course, but, I mean, is, is this something that's on display? Are both of them, like, in the sock drawer? Like, what do you do with your with your Olympic medals? <laughs> um, I would love to put it on display, but unfortunately it's in a safe because of, there's too many thieves around these days and so many people are getting their medals stolen over the last 10, 15 yeah. years. And, like, it's not worth anything to anybody um, else mm. I don't understand why you would want I don't know collectors I suppose or just the thrill of stealing from some people but yeah I just I just um yeah unfortunately it's in the safe which but, are they, do, they get worn though you take them out obviously when you take to schools and things like that because isn't that yeah. a badge of honor yeah. they get a bit worn when people are touching oh, them and, and like it's that. so faded and so scratched up and and 
not frayed yet on the ribbon, but they must have used really cheap leather on the box because it is just falling apart. You can't even see the Olympic rings on the box. The, the wow. beige is still intact and it's beautiful, made beautifully. The London one must have just been cheap leather that they used. On it. it is so bad. Wow. And not the only thing that happened to as well. And the box, the case that it comes in is all part of it as well. But yeah. You wouldn't even know that it's an Olympic box anymore. Well, that's that's crazy to think. I thought the Brits would put a lot more effort into that, but yeah, um, no. you know, they they cheap down that. The other one I like as a gold medalist, you get to go on a stamp, Sally. Like how many of the, <laughs> yeah. how many of these did your your friends and family end up buying? And do they you randomly yeah. just have some stamps floating around the house? I've still got some stamps. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, one day to show the kids, um, but yeah, it's I didn't even know that it was happening and. Like I, I, I knew beforehand, but I didn't think of it. Like as soon as I knew, I forgot about it straight away that that's what happens. And then when I stamp came out, I'm like, oh, could have done my makeup a lot better. No. <laughs> like, that's this photo of me. Like, yeah, I wish I'd got reminded about this so I could, you know, try it a little bit harder. <laughs> Which I can imagine there's also that unique experience of like in the months afterwards, if you're getting a letter, you know, and you're going through things like, oh, there's my face just on a letter that yeah. I've just been sent. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And they send you like a few, uh, like a sheet of um, them as well, which is nice. So, yeah, they're probably still packed away somewhere the, collect- the collectors are i think they're obviously stamp collectors but then it's kind of that unique thing where i know people do rush out in any olympics and kind yeah. of go, okay got to get the new gold medalist sheet which yeah. did, I, I can't remember if they started doing was sydney the first one or did they do it back in atlanta i can't even remember sure. but i don't know but i think the family members of the person who's on the stamp usually make it sell out <laughs> yeah yeah. I want to get all of them. All of them. Just keep keep oh, going there and they family members around the world. <laughs> keeps keeps popping up. I can imagine then obviously post like London, everything, you know, the world's at your feet and obviously ultimately unfortunately Rio, Tokyo we know ultimately didn't happen through through injuries. I mean, it, it do you sort of reflect and, and go, I'm satisfied with the, the Olympic gold and silver, or do you often sometimes think, well, what could have been had, you know, Rio happened and, and then ultimately yeah. Tokyo as well? Well, definitely. I mean, if Rio happened, who knows if I had have gone on to 2017 to win the world title again? Probably not. Um, if I had been at Rio at my best shape and running well and, and won there, um, I probably wouldn't have gone on because my body was tired. It was wearing out very quickly. So I was very, very fortunate to be able to get over those injuries um, in 2016, 2017 and come back for that world title and then Unfortunately, 10 days out of the Com Games in 2018, it was just, I remember going to the track for a training session and looking down the lane, like, I can't even jog. I can't do this. And that was, it was heartbreaking. It really was. And there was a lot of things that I would do differently. Like, you know, you think you've done so well in a year, you're a world champion, you're coming off that ride again after having two years off and you're the best in the world again. And then, you think you're invincible and you go back and you do all these training sessions and you're like, I have no niggles. I'm good. I'm going to keep pushing through this. And it's just a stupid way of thinking um, and just stubborn, I suppose. And no, not taking the time to recover in between sessions properly or competitions because you just think you're invincible. And so they're definitely the things that I would do differently towards the end of my career. And I probably would have got to Tokyo if I had been a little bit smarter. Um, but my stubborn, my stubborn self just didn't let that happen. <laughs> well, the thing that I find unique too about the Gold Coast experience is you obviously were the final runner on the torch 
are the the Queen's baton relay. So I mean, obviously a massive honour, and obviously the the you know the, the distinction that comes with that. But how is that battling that emotions, dealing with the fact that I've got this massive honour, the the world is at my feet, everybody's still talking me up, but you obviously deep down know that this is not going to be happening for me like Australia's expecting right now. It was horrible. And then they like telling me to run and I was across sand. I'm like, you guys realize like yesterday I couldn't even jog. And now you're telling me I got to jog across sand. I'm like, I am in so much pain right now. I'm like, just grit your teeth and bear it. Just grit your teeth and bear it. Wow. This is like once in a lifetime experience. I'm like, you know, but it freaking hurts. And I got this like smile. I'm like, ow, every single time. And then I'm like, I feel so bad. I'm going to let all these people down. Um, it was just, it was, yeah, definitely a, a wave of emotions that I was trying to keep in check, but I didn't also the reason why we held back, I think it was like a day after that or two days. I can't remember when I did it now. Um, I didn't want to put a dampener on any of the opening ceremony, um, celebrations. I didn't want to do that to the other athletes. I want to, the, the opening ceremony to be about the athletes and enjoying themselves and staying the games off positive. Um, and I chose a time in the day that was literally like lunchtime period where I was going to make an announcement. I did it. So it was almost like after the morning sessions of everything and then in like, and then before the afternoon sessions. So that kind of sneaks in there and then everyone can get ready for the next part and forget about me as quickly as possible. I was trying to be, as respectful to the other athletes as I possibly could with the announcement. So it didn't take too much away. Well, as much as I could as much away from them as possible. When do you find out, when does somebody from the organizing committee t- tap you on the shoulder and go, Sally, we, we, we want you to, you're the last one. You're the last one with the baton. And how is that keeping it a secret? Cause I can imagine the media was speculating it was going to be you. Yeah. So of course, you know, well, I didn't know. We, I don't even know when we went into the village. I can't even remember now how long before the opening ceremony we went, we drove to the village was, but as soon as they got off the bus, as soon as they got off that bus, as soon as I arrived into the village, that's when um, I got the tap on the shoulder. But um, the, the harder part was deciding. They said, you can't do both. You can't be flag bearer and the last person with the baton. Right. I'm like, so that was offered to you as well, the flag bearers as as well. Well, they didn't really offer it to me. They didn't really offer it. I don't know. I can't remember exactly what he said, but you can't do both. And I'm like, oh, Mm. wow. I was, I was, I was really torn. Yeah, I can imagine. I really wanted to be flag bearer. Yeah. Really, really, really wanted it to be. Um, but I was like, this is like lighting the cauldron for. Yeah. Commonwealth Games. <laughs> yeah, like, exactly. You get to hand uh, it to, to Prince Charles. Like, there he yeah. is. There you go. Have yeah. the bat in He's your like, honour. He was like the cauldron. You know? Yeah, he was literally. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I was like, that's, that doesn't happen either. So, yeah, it, it, yeah, that was a hard decision to make. I can imagine. Yeah. Well, I'm also thinking that you think about the cauldron. I mean, Brisbane 2032, I think you're in with a pretty good shot of being one of those final torchbearers for uh, entering the Gabba in 10 years' time, Sally. So you never know. Well, let's just put it out there and put it in their heads. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, well, look, I'll be, I'll, be, I'll be completely honest with you and say you're the second one we said this. We had Kieran Perkins on recently and our idea was maybe we get Stephen Bradbury, you know, kind of Kieran Perkins and maybe yourself, you can share it. You're about to light the cauldron. But then, of course, you both fall over and Stephen Bradbury comes in, you know, iconic Queenslanders <laughs> sharing this honour as, as Brisbane 23. So I think it would work perfectly. 
It would, but we'd all be fighting over who actually got to put the. the yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Just going, going, going along that way. I, I did read also that when Tokyo was postponed, you contemplated coming out of retirement. How how close did that come? And and if it had happened, how do you think you would have gone? Um, I was very. I was training. I wasn't training like a hundred percent because I was still like trying to get over recover from having a baby even that long after as well. Um, so I did consider it for a very, very long time. Um, and probably just realizing that my body's not great still. Like I, my Achilles are burning up here. My, my hamstrings, everything is just sore. So I was like, I probably needed two years and then eventually it bloody was canceled anyway. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't know exactly. if I can go for another year. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just yeah, keep going right. that way. So again, we, we can't expect in this 10 year, you know, Brisbane, yeah, you know, the body putting it through that again. <laughs> I don't even want to know how old I'll be. I don't even want to think about it. <laughs> Work out the different maths. Were you were you a bit sad to see Jasmine beat your Olympic record in, in Tokyo? Um, yeah. Uh a little bit, but at the same time, I knew it was going to happen. Like I was expecting it this year. She's an amazing hurdler. Um, I knew she was going to run like at least a 12-2 at some point at the Olympics. But the nice thing was Bruce said, oh, Sally's still got the fastest final. Yeah. <laughs> <She didn't run laughs> Very good final. point. In Thanks. the rain as well. So yeah, and a headwind. So Exactly. See, um, Bruce is always on board there when it comes yeah. to clarifying things like that. Yeah. I mean, what sort of do you look at the future of, of the, the event? Obviously, Liz, you know, narrowly missing out on, on the final. Uh, I mean, do you hold hope that, that the next Sally Pearson could be in Brisbane 2032 in front of a home crowd? Yeah, that would be, it would be lovely, wouldn't it? It would be nice to have that another Kathy Freeman moment um, at the Olympics from, I mean, you're going to be talking about kids who are, what, 15 now, really. Um, yeah. Those sort of kids who are coming through. So it's just about knowing what that junior development's like at the moment and, and seeing who's got that talent and will and perseverance to try and get there. So uh, it, it would be great, wouldn't it? It'd be nice to have that in our sport much needed it'd be nice to have it in the next olympics as well like leading up to brisbane and having that story to tell along the way like kathy was from what 92 all the way to sydney olympics everyone was following her career career quite closely and um yeah. knowing we do have a champion here that we've got to look after and, and um get her to that gold medal in sydney Absolutely. We'll be keeping an eye out to see how, how that goes. Now, so before we wrap up with a set of just sort of get to know you style questions, obviously retirement for you, you've, be, you've become a mother, you, you know, what, what's, what's life post your career like and kind of what, what can we expect to see from, from yourself maybe in the, in the coming years? Well, yeah, I mean, I put that post up a few days ago, sort of asking the question, like I'm trying to rediscover myself and, Still coming to terms with being a retired athlete, it's been super hard, um, harder than I thought, emotional at times, um, because it's almost like you're that high school kid who's just finished, that one who doesn't really know where they want to go. You know, they're going to university, but like, why am I studying this? I'm doing it just because you're supposed to go to university or whatever it is, you know, like I don't really know yeah. what I want to do for the rest of my life. But I'm starting to think now, like, I do, I do really like the media side of it as much as um, – I feel like I cringe every time I say that because I feel like it's something that 
everyone expects an athlete to say um, they want to be in the media. They want to be the next commentator. They want to do this and that and this and that without working hard for it. But um, <laughs> I, I had a little stint on the Channel 7 Gold Coast and I'm like, this is fantastic. I really enjoy this more than I ever thought I would. Um, you know, I don't expect anything big. I, I just want to learn the industry. I want to understand it. Um, I even like the producing side of it. I, I find all of that really fascinating and it really excites me. And that's something that's been really hard to find. It's something that gets me going again, wants me to get out of bed. So it's certainly an avenue that I'm going to be exploring in probably the next year. Fantastic. And is that something that you go back to, say, uni and do something with it or do you just kind well, of? I mean, yeah, these are the things that I'm going to sit down with my manager about. We're going to write a list and say, look, of everything that I want to do, what I don't want to do, what's expected of me, um, how much time am I going to put into this? Like, is it going to take all day, every day to do this? Like, can I viably do this? So um, we're going to do that and um, really explore the avenues and hopefully find a, a way in somewhere. Even right. if, I mean, I don't, you don't, I don't, I'm not that sort of person that wants to go in there and be, the next morning show host, you know, <laughs> I'm going there and I want to oh, be that. Replace Koshi. <laughs> I want to, I want to, I want to learn. Like I want to learn that side of it. Like from the very beginning, like what do you have to do? Where do you have to go? Like um, I don't like going in there and having this expectation on you and you've got this important job and you're like, you know, this is a bit silly. Like I'm new to this. Teach me first. Yeah. That's a great attitude to have. I'll tell you now, 10 years' time, you've lit the cauldron. Uh, I'll be sitting next to you in, in the, the Gabber and the commentary booth then. Uh, we, can, we can work on that path then, Sally. You can be the yeah. – you can be the you can, no, you're, you're, you're the next Bruce. I'll just be the fluff okay. on the side. Right. So, you know, yeah. we'll yeah. keep working that. That's, One that's, thing that's also – <laughs> Yes, exactly. Good. I'm glad. The other thing, just before we get to the questions, um, reading the FAQ on your website, uh, the question asks, what other sports do you like to watch? Saying that you get a bit into the motorsports uh, mm. because of of your husband, you say MotoGP. I'm I'm a big Formula One fan, so I don't know if you've kind of translated across into that. But uh, you you get hit like your late nights with the MotoGP, kind of staying up with him, or kind of is it more of a tell me who won? I'll watch the replay in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> um, it used to be a bit like that. Um, we we're kind of lucky the MotoGP is usually morning in Europe, which kind of helps because it means it's later night here. So maybe 10 o'clock or 10.30. So it's not that big a deal to, to get, stay up or get up and watch it. We don't obviously do it every single time. Um, just it happens if we're having one of those nights where we're not falling asleep early. Um, we're just up watching it. So that's, um, it, it's certainly exciting and I think any sport is like that if you know anything about that yeah. sport. I can't, I don't know anything about cricket, you know, um, and I know it's an Australian sport, but I never grew up with cricket. So I don't know anything about it. So it doesn't excite me. But I know that if I sat down with someone over a period of time and they explained it and I understood it, then yeah, it would be exciting. So it's again that going back to that same thing that we're talking about with athletics, you need that education, you need that understanding about it. So you you know what's going on, you know what's good and what's bad and why the umpire saying, no, you're out and you're in and blah, blah, blah. You know, like yeah. these sort of things that we need to educate our people on. Yeah, no, definitely. Great point with that one there for sure. 
Sally, we wrap up every interview series of get to know yourself questions. Now, as always, these are based on a Team Canada questionnaire they gave their athletes ahead of both Rio and Pyeongchang. And we always like to use a, an athlete from the same sport. We've gone with uh, Kimberly Hyacinth here, Canadian uh, runner. And I will say, as I always say to all our guests, there is a drawing element if you want to, if you feel very creative and you want to draw a picture of yourself, there is an option, but it's it's completely up to you. So just uh, don't yeah. know how your drawing skills are, Sally, but <laughs> you're great. welcome to after this interview to jot <laughs> something down. <laughs> uh, we'll stick to the first question then. If you could choose any Olympic host city, where would it be? Um, Zurich. Zurich. Oh, nice. I don't know if they've even had the Olympics before, but no. I would. No. That would be a nice one. Very picturesque, I can imagine. Winter or summer, they could have them both probably. And they just love sport. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I like that one. I don't think we've ever had Zurich Ants before, so put it, in, put it on the list. In your spare time, what do you most like to do? Um, so I had this question when I was when I put that post up a few days ago, I know this is going to be a long answer and it's probably supposed to be quick and fast. Go but, for it. No, I, I, um, I appreciate the in-depth answer, Sally. It's all good. <laughs> um, when I put this post up a few days ago about rediscovering myself, someone said, what do you find yourself looking at when you're scrolling through social media? Like what catches your eye? And maybe that's an avenue that you could go down. And I was like, okay, well, you've got to kind of like, cross off animal, funny animal videos. And, you know, <laughs> <laughs> people, <laughs> don't think, I'm not going to go down that avenue. But then I find myself always looking at um, sort of houses and interior. And um, I, I'm never, I don't think I'll ever go down that avenue as in terms of a career path, but I really enjoy looking at what people have done with their houses and inside. I'm such a snoop. I, I go past all these nice big mansions on the Gold Coast and I'm like, I'd really just love to go and have a look in there and see what they've done. <laughs> I go under realestate.com and I'm looking at all for sale signs, but I don't I don't care about the house. I just want to see what they've done inside. I think you could. Can't you just knock on the door and be like, hi, I'm Sally Pearson. Can I look through? <laughs> like if you knocked on my door right now, I was like, hi, I'm Sally Pearson. I want to see. I'm like, come on in, Sally. Absolutely. I feel you could get away with that. And they say, who? Yeah. <laughs> Wear the gold. Wear, wear the Olympic medals. Yeah, you know, yeah. show them the I interview from 2008. Yeah. Oh, you are. Oh, I remember you. Absolutely. That's yeah. that's fantastic. The, actually, while you're talking about posts on social media, the one you posted recently where you said, what do you think is the most difficult event in track and field? What What do you think is the most difficult event in track and field, Sally? Oh, I'm going to have to say probably um, the marathon or – the 20k walk yes okay because one you got to have endurance which i don't have <laughs> and um and then the walk you've got to have the technique otherwise you're out yeah that's its own unique <laughs> you know, all the other events it? you know without like either long jump you jump over the board you foul like throw if you kind of hit the board you're out or you take your hand off your neck you're out but they're all things that without hitting the board and shot put you don't do the technique right but you can still get away with it or you know there's certain you can still finish an event without having the technique to be perfect but in walks those guys are they, they're brutal they'll put yeah. their little warning signs up all the time <laughs> yeah no it's it is crazy and and the fact is that there's walking but i mean they're, they're probably moving faster than the majority of us can yeah, run yeah I could, I could not run as fast as they walk no way yeah it's it's insane I, not over that distance anyway <laughs> Yeah, well, exactly, exactly. I always love this question. The weirdest instruction a coach ever gave you was? 
Oh, um, it's so technical that people won't understand it. But um, so you, you have a lead leg in hurdles and you have a trail leg in hurdles. So your lead leg is the one that lands over the hurdle first. And so I was struggling to get my lead leg down faster. So you want to get over that hurdle as quick as you possibly can. And you want to hit that lead leg down on the ground as over the hurdle as fast as you possibly can. And I'm like, how do I do this? And he goes, pull your calf down, pull your calf down. And I'm like, what is that sort of cue? When do you ever use your calf to pull your leg down? Like, you know, you want to get strong. When you're running, you're technically really, you're using all your muscles, of course, but it's mainly like hamstrings and glutes and quads and adductors that kind of get the, the brunt of the, the, the running side of it. And so you're using your, your glute to pull down or your hamstring or whatever. And it's like, use your car to pull down. I'm like, I don't even switch my calf on when I'm in the air. Like, how does that even work? So wow. that was really, I mean, it's very technical and people who don't know hurdles or whatever won't understand that. But I tell you, don't give that as a cue to someone. Don't. There you go. Hurdles coaches, if you're listening, just just don't use it. Just it doesn't. Don't it doesn't work. Down. <laughs> uh, what is your favorite workout? Oh, running. running. I actually really. I never thought I would, but I really just love to run. I don't like. I really don't like circuits, and I I'm not that sort of. Per- I can't be told what to do. Like in terms of. I don't want someone blasting me like, do this and do that. And I'm like, I don't work like that. I don't, I'm very self-motivated. I don't need someone trying to motivate me to do something to just stop. Yep. <laughs> I, I just don't want to do this because I don't work it. <laughs> I love that. That's perfect. Great, yeah. great answer. Your favorite sandwich is? Oh, a really thick peanut butter sandwich, but Ooh. it has to be like really thick peanut butter nice okay and on white bread okay on white i was gonna ask there's always a bread element does does, does like you know working with coals get you heaps of like peanut butter on bread like you know sneaky (laughs) sneaky i need it i need need another delivery from them that's for sure (laughs) get back on those ads with the same bowl we miss them yeah i know we need to get him back out here don't we yeah yeah they were fun um if you could have any superpower what would it be I think to be able to go invisible. Mm-hmm. I think so. Good answer. Or to live like for a long time. Yeah. I, I just, I think I'm going to live a long time already, but to live even longer, just to see the new generations coming through. And yeah, I think so. Good answer. I like that one. I like that one too. The best candy in the world is Andy, where are we? America? I'm, I'm still on the Canadians question, so we're going with what they say. The lollies. Let's go with the lollies. Ooh. I'm going to say those little red raspberry things. Oh, those, yes. Yeah, they're really, oh. really good. Red, fo- red frogs are great. They get all the love, but the raspberries yeah. never get the love, do they? Red frogs are good, but they're just a bit harder than those raspberries. Yeah. The raspberries are a little bit softer. Yeah, um, better, better sort of texture. I think easier texture to chew on. Like the red, red frogs, yeah, it's a bit hard. That's a good point. Good point. Yeah. I like the analysis here, Sally. That kind of goes with this. It works really well. As a kid growing up, who was your favourite sports team? Sports team. Hmm. I didn't really follow teams because I grew up with a single mum who wasn't into anything but like swimming and tennis. But I do remember one time. I don't. Even, how old was I? I'm going to say I was like. 13 and I remember being at someone's house 
they were a New Zealand family and were watching New Zealand take on Australia on SBS. Right. And it was like, I love this. Like, oh, sorry, in netball. In netball, I should say in netball. So I guess it was, uh, are they the Diamonds, the Australian team? The Diamonds, yeah. Yep. Yeah. I, think I, I don't know what they, I'm sure they've always been called the Diamonds, but it was my mm. first time I'd ever watched netball on TV and they were playing New Zealand and we won and they were like, get out of the house. (laughs) I love that. That was my first taste of team sport on TV. Fantastic. Is there something that now like kind of as you, as you've grown up that you've got more into team sports or is it something Um, that. Yes. And no, I still really like watching the tennis, um, but I'm trying to get more involved with it because I still don't know enough about a lot of team sports. I, I'm still watching it going, I don't really know what's going on. So <laughs> I that education. I don't mind what I like watching team sports more live than on TV. I'd prefer to be there. I think it's better. I, I just saying this now, like when I lived sort of in that vicinity in Brisbane Gold Coast, I, I'm a big AFL fan. Don't go for any of the Queensland teams, but I, I liked going to the Gold Coast Suns games because they're obviously a fairly newish team and don't have the supporter base. So I, I think that if you got into AFL, jump on the Suns because I don't know if they've got any like celebrity support. They could need some help out there to get them out there, Sally. Just saying, get on the Suns. Well, you put it out there and maybe they'll get in contact with me. There you go. There we go. We'll, we'll make sure that they hear this. Sally Pearson jumping on board the Suns. <laughs> and it might, it might draw the membership in a little bit more. Uh, what is your favourite sports movie? Sports movie. Ooh. Mm. Hmm. I re- oh. I have a few, though. I don't know which one's my favourite. I get inspired by Chariots of Fire only mm-hmm. because of the music. The music yep. makes it. <laughs> Did you listen to that? Was that one of the songs you would listen to before a race? No, but I, that made you want to run slower, though, wouldn't it? Like, uh, well, maybe, but maybe in slow motion. <laughs> like, yeah. I'm in slow motion, play the music in my head. <laughs> maybe. Um, I, I I enjoyed um, Cool Runnings. Yes, I wouldn't say I was inspired by it, but I enjoyed it I, because it was the athletics beginning for them. So I was like, oh, this is cool. They're like sprinters and they're doing bobsled now. Um, and I enjoyed, oh, what was that one, the skiing guy, the downhill skier guy? Oh, Eddie the Eagle. Uh, I enjoyed that. I certainly wasn't inspired by it. And, <laughs> I, I mean, it wasn't inspiring at all for me because it was like he's just doing it because he's just trying to find something to do, you know. Like yeah, go to the Olympics. Really yeah, the Olympics. But <laughs> yeah, yeah. even Hugh Jackman couldn't make that inspiration, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> I, I really enjoyed it, though. I thought it was a great movie um, and, and – and I, I really liked one of the quotes from there when he was going up the lift with the best down. Like, what, mm. what do you call that skiing in? Is it the down? Uh, ski jumping, yeah. Jumping. So that, he was in the lift with the best ski jumper there and he was the worst ski jumper there. And the guy said, you know, we're very much the same, you and I. And Eddie's like, what are you talking about? I'm like, I'm losing. <laughs> and he goes, no, because, like, you're at your end and you've got, like, all this to lose and I'm at mine and I've got everything to lose. Blah, blah. We're very much the same, just at opposite ends of the spectrum. I'm like, oh, that's really interesting that someone who's like him can see Eddie as yeah. – Doing his bit. The dots. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, it's 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 great to kind of see it that way. I'm just thinking you mentioned cool runnings. Obviously, Yana went to bobsled. Is that something you've considered at all? Like going to the winter route? I was supposed to. I had this pact with my training partner, Andrea Miller, who isn't is a New Zealander, 
Um, and I said to her after, I don't even know when we were supposed to do it. Like we didn't really make up a date. I said, after our athletics career, you're going to become Australian and we're going to go and be a bobsled team. <laughs> we had this deal. It never happened, but we still talk about it to this day that we should have done it. You, I, I mean, would love to give it a go. Like I would well, love. Four more years now. Think about know, it. You've got yeah, a good yeah. cycle right now. So yeah, yeah. I, I, it's it's quite a fascinating sport. I mean, I remember before Beijing, I was approached by the AIS to go and try out the skeleton as well. Ah, but because my athletics was going really well, I was like, oh, yeah. sorry, I can't. But yeah, it was um, certainly something that would have interested me, I think, if I wasn't. I say do it. I say you've got plenty of time to do it. If Yana can do it, you can do I mean, it. And in a skeleton, know. Bob said, you only have to run about 30 metres and just sit in there and hope for the best. <laughs> exactly exactly look we've had plenty of our bobsled team on this show so again i've got connections i can hook you up yeah, okay. i'm sure well, you know, my name in, in the hat then and brie, brie and kiara would love to have you on board you know yeah. they just yeah. they would be getting you on there two more if i could if you could live anywhere in the world where would it be live forever yes forever so i can't forever the, you've got that the superpower where you can live like for, for for eternity you want where are you living forever i love living on the gold coast I really do. I've been around the world and I always say I'd still like move, always move back to the Gold Coast if I was living anywhere else for a little bit. Perfect. I like that. The final one, I always love this question as well. When you were little, what was one thing that you always thought? Oh, I wasn't a deep thinker when I was little. <laughs> really wasn't a deep I'll give you an example. We've had answers of this one of, I'm hungry because I was always hungry when I was no, little. <laughs> I think, I think well, what I always, well, I always thought about being a princess. Ah, see. I always thought about it. I'm like, I re, I, it's, it's kind of a two-answer thing there. I was like, oh, that's what I wanted to be, but it was also what I thought about. You could still still time, Sally. Like, <laughs> you know, there's, there's plenty of opportunity. You, you know Prince Charles. Like you oh, gave him a I have, met, I have met Prince Harry before as well. Hey. I, don't call, I don't know if you can call him Prince Harry anymore, though. I don't know if well, that's I mean, that. you know, anyway, he's still a prince in some way. Technically. But, see, you've got your ins there, Sally. Yeah, like, it's yeah. just, you know, it's, it's happening there. Before we let you go, uh, obviously we mentioned social media. Plug plug your social media, website, anything you want to plug right now, Sally, for people to kind of stay up to date with what you, you're going to be up to? Yeah, well, I'm going to be posting a lot more on my Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter. Um, I'm trying to be a bit more big on my Twitter and have a bit more of a opinion on Twitter because if I want to be in the media, you've always got to have some sort of opinion, don't you? So... We're doing that a lot more on Sally Pearson at Twitter. It's pretty much Sally Pearson on all on all social media accounts. So there you go. Simple, find it that way. Sally, it's been an absolute pleasure and an honour to, to have you on the show. We're going to look forward to seeing you in the meet. I'm looking forward to being in the commentary box with you in uh, yeah. Brisbane in 10 years and also seeing you I'm, in Milan in 2026. Come on. Yeah, but, uh, uh, but I'm I'm Bruce in 20. You're Bruce. Yeah, of course you're yeah. Bruce. Like it's, it's come on. We, we, we love Bruce. Bruce is a legend, but it's time for there to be a female Bruce, right? We, we want you're there the to look. You're, you're yeah, the colour. Absolute colour. I'm not smart enough to call it. You're, yeah. you're the smart one. I'm just the fluffy <laughs> idiot next to you saying silly, dumb things that people complain on Twitter about clearly. So uh, we'll, we'll work on it, Sally. But thank you for your time on the show. Great. It's been a pleasure. Thank you very much. Thank you.
And a massive, massive thanks there to Sally for her time and her management for arranging that interview. Such a great chat. I'm looking forward to being an expert commentator come Brisbane. I'm always obviously finding my ins here. And uh, obviously Sally will, the new Bruce, basically. That simple as well. And bobsled. We, we've just obviously had Beijing. So we're going to see how she goes come Milan in a couple of years time. So make it happen, Sally. I'm sure it's going to be absolutely great. And sallypearson.com as well, added to her social media. If you would like to see that, sallypearson.com.au, I should mention. Don't forget the .au on top of that. And if you wish to see the video of this interview, of course, hit our YouTube channel up off the podium and you will be able to see the video version of this chat but again thanks to sally for her time we've got some great interviews if you haven't already checked out some of the other ones we have had of course recently mac horton as i alluded to we had him on last week as well fantastic chat with mac and some other great ones we've had post beijing kelsey lee barber kayla sanchez andrew co some great chats there also on our youtube channel as well and if you missed our Beijing coverage, and it was incredible games, we loved every second, of course, and all our coverage every single day during those games, as well as all our interviews in the lead up. If you want to find any of those, head to any good platform where you find podcasts that are off the podium. That simple. While you're there, subscribe so you don't miss an episode and be sure to rate us. We'd love to hear what you think of the show or if you've got any ideas for guests, if you would like us to track down anyone to bring on the show, by all means, we'd like to hear who you would like on the show. Social media as well, off the podium, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and of course, as I've already mentioned, YouTube as well. You'll find a variety of our interviews in video form there. And if you want to stare at my face, you don't really want to stare at my face, you want to stare at our guest face and see them as they go through their answers as well. If you're going to stay tuned to the show, which we know you will because you love us, that's why you're listening to us right now. We've got some great other chats coming your way as well and some great interviews planned. So stay tuned off the podium. Plenty to keep you entertained in the coming weeks, months, and years. My name is Ben. This has been Off the Podium. Big thanks again to Sally. As always, a special shout-out goes to Jason Momoa. And as we always finish off the show with, remember to go left. Turning Japanese up, they come turning Japanese.